Alan. You're all right. You're late. I couldn't get through. Get through. Alan, what did you mean, you're all right? I mean, how did you know? Well, it's an extraordinary thing, but we seem to have blacked out for several hours. I, I know. It you must see. have been some sort of slow it wasn't in the gas. Too. The whole village fell asleep. The whole village? All of Midwich was cut off from the outside world for several hours. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the future of war. Resistance is futile. Straight flows from the force, but beware of the dark side. Iron Man, that's kind of catchy. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, David. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is a uh, reach call. You're listening to Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest, and you are listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is episode 795 for Sunday, November 22nd, 2020. I'm back this week with another classic science fiction movie. Today's movie is the cult classic Village of the Damned from 1960. It stars George Sanders and Barbara Shelley. Before I get into today's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoy it. With that said, I'm going to play the trailer to Village of the Damned. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll be back after the trailer with some movie information, and then we'll get into today's movie. Science fiction has never imagined so strange or terrifying a story as that of the village of Midwich, England, cut off from life as we know it by some mysterious force. And later, at one and the same time, a child was born to every woman in the village. Children that grew to look like this. Beautiful youngsters behind whose fiery, hypnotic eyes lurked the demon forces of another world. They're not human. They ought to be destroyed. Forces put to such sinister use that it became a national emergency. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists, as government experts. Have we established anything about the origins of these children? There is the possibility of the transmission of energy. Let me get this straight. You imply that these children may be the result of impulses directed towards us from somewhere in the universe. What we need is time to investigate. Are you aware of life on another planet? 
are you so nervous when an aircraft flies above you? Until recently, we haven't been able to make our control reach as far as a high aircraft. Oh, now you have, is that it? Today, their control reaches out into space. Tomorrow, will it girdle the globe? There's nothing you can do to stop us. Leave us alone. Village of the Damned is a 1960 British-American science fiction horror film directed by Wolf Rilla. It was produced by Ronald Kinosh. The screenplay was written by Sterling Siliphant, Wolf Rilla, and George Barclay. It's based on the 1957 novel The Midwich Cuckoos by John Wyndham. It stars George Sanders and Barbara Shelley. The music was written and composed by Ron Goldman. Village of the Damned was released on December 7, 1960 and has a running time of 78 minutes. And here's the cast. Starting at the top, George Saunders as Gordon Zellaby, Barbara Shelley as Anthea Zellaby, Martin Stevens as David Zellaby, Michael Gwynn as Major Alan Bernard and Lawrence Naismith as Dr. Willers. That's all I have for movie information. Now let's get into today's movie. So what I'm going to do is set up the movie for you, tell you what's, how it starts off, and then we'll get into some film clips. Okay. The people of the English village Midwich suddenly fall unconscious, as does everyone entering the village. The military establishes a cordon around the village, and sends in a soldier wearing a gas mask. He too falls unconscious and is pulled back with rope. The man awakens and reports experiencing a cold sensation before passing out. Meanwhile, a pilot in a military reconnaissance plane is contacted and asked to investigate the village. When he flies below 5,000 feet, he loses consciousness and the plane crashes into the countryside. A five-mile exclusion zone around the village is established for all aircraft. After approximately four hours, all of the villagers regain consciousness and are apparently unaffected. So, that's what's going on in, in this village of, I want to say, Midwich. Everybody's passed out, four hours, now they wake up. So, my first clip is of General Lathan, Gordon Zellaby, and Major Alan Bernard, who's actually Gordon's brother-in-law, and they're meeting together to discuss what happened in Midwich. We've established that whatever it was was static, odorless, invisible. It didn't register on radar, it was non-metallic, it showed nothing on our Geiger counters. You've got the reports there, Gordon. There are no signs of any physical, biological, or psychological changes. Well, that's practically meaningless. For instance, serious exposure to X-rays or gamma rays need not have an immediate effect. But these people have to be kept under observation. And yourself. And my household. It would be a bit tricky to put you all in the sanatorium. In any case, my instructions are to keep this whole incident out of the limelight. National security, eh? If you like. Well, until we know the cause, we shan't know what to expect. Since you're there, Gordon, suppose you keep an eye on Midwich for us. 
If you do find anything, let us know through Alan. No need for any direct contact between us. More security, eh? Ever cautious. Gets under the skin, you know. My next clip is from two months after the Midwich incident. We have Anthea, who's Gordon Zellaby's wife, and she's got some good news to share with him. Hello. I said hello. Oh. <laughs> How long have you been here? Ages. Liar. I've just discovered a fascinating thing. Here are the plant samples we took that day. Now, this one, for example, a perfectly ordinary Pelagonium zonale. And you see what's happening? Exactly what you'd expect if I made a 50% ground. Why did you kiss me like that? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. What's the secret? Something's afoot. Why are you so happy? Now, Gordon, I want you to sit down. Right. Keep quite calm. There's nothing to worry about. Now. We have apparently succeeded in crossing a Zelope Gordonius with a Zelope Anthium. Just what the results will be, we shan't know for some time yet. I think you should sit down. Can I get you some tea? No. A drink? Well, that wouldn't be right. Uh, feed her? Something to eat? Yes, please. What? Uh, Cheese, pickles, and half a dozen anchovies. Recently my favorite diet. Hadn't you noticed? Mrs. Plumpton at the shop has. I've been too engrossed in my work. But we'll change all that. Thank you, darling. You've made my happiness complete. And all the more so because I'm old enough to appreciate it. Now then, what was it you wanted? Cheese, pickles, and half a dozen anchovies. Anthea is not the only woman in the village of Midwich who's pregnant. Matter of fact, all the women of childbearing age are pregnant. An attempted suicide. Janet Paul, whose husband only came back from sea yesterday. It's dreadful. dreadful. Three other women in the village half out of their minds. Millie Hughes, Rose Shepherd, and Mary Burnett. Please don't go. That's why we are asking you to tell us, Vicar. Please don't keep on. Don't you see that what you're asking me, it's not right ethically. Oh, for heaven's sake, Vicar. How do you think I feel? I married late in life. When my wife told me that she was going to have a baby, it was the happiest moment I've ever known. Don't talk to me about ethics. Don't you see that this is something which concerns all of us? that this is the one moment when it is your, your duty to break confidence. Very well. Four of them have been to see me. One of them is only 17. Evelyn Harrington? Yes. She was terribly frightened, and frankly, so am I. I know these girls. I've watched them grow up. And when they tell me that they have no way of accounting for their condition, well, I'm compelled to believe them. That every woman in this village who is capable of childbirth is going to have a baby. I can't believe it. This is not a matter of belief, Vicar. It's a matter of fact. And there's something else. All this seems to date from that day two months ago when Midwich was cut off from the rest of the world. Gordon gets the x-rays from Dr. Willers and everything is okay with the baby. 
but Anthea is concerned about the origins of her baby. It's all right, darling. I've seen the x-rays and it's a fine specimen. Dr. Willis says it's perfect, absolutely normal. That should make us very happy. But it's going to be all right. Is it? Is that what you believe? You're tired, darling. That's right. I'm tired. And do you know why? Because every night I lie awake and worry. Well, now you don't have to worry anymore. You don't really believe that, do you? Dr. Willis... I don't care what Dr. Willis says. Right, so it's not a monster, it's a perfect specimen. But what does that tell me? You're going to have a baby. Whose baby? Yours? Does it tell me what, what kind of life is growing inside me? What sort of brain it has? Where it comes from? Does it tell me that? Where does it stop come it. from? You must stop it. We, 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 we've got to be rational about this. We may not be any better off than any of the others, but there's absolutely nothing we can do but wait. Lord. Maybe it's ours, maybe it isn't. If it's ours, we shall know. If it isn't... Gordon. I'm afraid. I'm so afraid. Gordon and Dr. Willers discuss the abnormalities of the children. Take a look at this, Doctor. It's a section of hair. Yes, it... It's flat on one side, on the other an arc, somewhat in the shape of a narrow capital D. It belongs to my son, David. Have you ever seen such a hair type before? Have you noticed their nails? Yes, they're narrower than ours, covering less of the upper surface of the digit, but as, as flat as normal nails. What did the blood test show? Oh, it's too early to tell. The blood circulating at present is still that of the mother's group. So they are apparently normal children with these exceptions. Strange eyes, arresting I would say, an unknown hair group, and unusual fingernails. Whatever they are, their physical development is absolutely startling. In point of time, they're four months old, but their development and capabilities is that of 18 months. Gordon and Alan show the children a Chinese puzzle box with a piece of chocolate in it. This box is a product of oriental ingenuity. There are no visible means of opening it, but if you do just what I've shown you, it comes open. I'll see if you can do it. that I was right to marry your sister. Your family has brains. Let's see if I can do this myself. Very well. Now watch this. And remember that he's only one year old. Go on, open it, David. Yes. There's something inside. It's a chocolate.
coming on. It's time for your bath. Oh. This is fantastic. You think so? Come with me. It's all right, Evelyn. It's only a box with a chocolate in it. I don't know, sir. I never lie to have chocolates. <laughs> well, it's quite harmless, really. I just gave some to David. That's exactly my point. I didn't have to. If you demonstrate something to one of them, they all know it. Now watch. Gordon and Alan have a disagreement about the morality of the children. Gordon, don't you think Anthea should know about this conference? What's being discussed? There's no reason to alarm her just because you're alarmed. I haven't got your cold scientific detachment. People, especially children, aren't measured by their IQ. What's important about them is whether they're good or bad. And these children are bad to everyone but you. But they are children, Alan. And children are not born with a sense of moral values. They have to be taught. With their intellect, that should be simple. Intellect? Intellect? That's all you care about. What if you can't teach them? What if you can't put the break of morals on them? First, we must try. You're blinded by this vision of intellect. You see David as another Einstein. Potentially greater. Solving the riddle of the universe. Your son, David. Anthea's son. I have no proof that he's mine. Gordon and Alan attend a meeting with British intelligence about other known colonies of special children. As the Home Secretary has permitted this disclosure, I can now inform you that Midwich is not the only colony of such children. Here, at a township in Northern Australia, 30 infants were born in one day. But apparently something went wrong. All the children died within 10 hours of birth. In an Eskimo community, there were 10 births. The community didn't take kindly to this. Golden-haired babies born of black-haired mothers violated the taboos. None survived. In the communist world, there were two timeouts similar to the one at Midwich. One at Irkutsk, here, on the borders of Outer Mongolia. A grim affair. The men killed the children and their mothers. Second, in the mountains of the Northwest, all the children survived. Our reports, though limited, indicate that they're receiving education on the highest level. All these timeouts happened on the same day as the one at Midwich. This is now three years ago. Have we established anything about the origins of these children? There's very little to go on. Zelebe, you must have some theory. Yes, I, I suggest that Zelebe may be somewhat too intimately involved. My position as a dubious father is influencing my scientific detachment. Is that what you think? I have reason to believe so. Well, let's hear what the others have to say. Dr. Carlyle? I went into the question of mutation. Once in a great many thousand years, an abrupt jump may take place in animal or in vegetable life. A new variation suddenly occurs for no apparent reason. Would that explain why entire groups of people were cut off for periods of several hours? No, sir. It would not. Very well. Any other line of thought? Yes. There is the possibility of the transmission of energy. May I put it this way? 
Already, we can direct radar beams out into space with the utmost accuracy. Electrical impulses have been bounced off the moon, and we are continually receiving impulses from other planets and stars. And impulses are energy and matter. We're aware of that, Professor Smith. Where does it take us? The Professor and I think alike. What we can do, others elsewhere in the universe may be able to do better. Exactly. Let me get this straight. You imply that these children may be the result of impulses directed towards us from somewhere in the universe? Well, of course, that's just a theory, but there's nothing to disprove it. They may be a case of mutation. They may be the world's new people. What we need is time to investigate. Time! Just a moment, Zellabe. General Layton, you tell me of some developments at Midwich. What are they? A series of casualties, mostly among the village children, in each case after some contact with the others. Children get into fights all over the world. These were not fights in the normal sense. No direct physical violence was involved. But two weeks ago, a boy, a good swimmer, was drowned in the Midwich Pond for no logical reason. Children also have accidents. Gordon, you've seen it for yourself. The extraordinary power these children have and the sinister way they use it. Extraordinary power, certainly. Yes, that's precisely why we need time. time. In our view, it's only a matter of time before these children get entirely out of hand with fatal consequences. So what do you suggest? That they be shut away. You mean put in prison? Bluntly, yes. You might as well do away with them altogether. This isn't a police state, yet. But don't you see what you're doing? If you imprison them, you will deprive the scientific world of the greatest opportunity it has ever had. Opportunity for what? For study. Gentlemen, a great deal has been said here about the power of these children, but nothing about the nature of this power. What we are dealing with is a mass mind, an entirely new development, like a, like a colony of ants and bees. These children all want to dress alike, and what one learns, they all learn. I demonstrated this to Alan Bernard. They are one mind to the twelfth power. Now, just think what it would mean if we could guide it. We could leap forward in science a hundred years. At the risk of being destroyed. What cannot be understood must be put away. Is that your view, the age-old fear of the unknown? On the other hand, Zellaby, Leighton has a point. There is a potential danger here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists, as government experts. Now, take a look at our world. Have we made a good job of it? Who's to say that these children are not the answer? The answer to what? Well, to wars, to disease, to human want and misery, to all of the problems we've been unable to cope with. If they don't make an end of us in the meantime. We cannot throw away this potential just because of a few incidents. What is your suggestion? I'll compromise with Leighton. Let them live together under one roof in our village where they can be kept under observation. My department couldn't accept the responsibility. I personally will assume full responsibility. Just give me a year. Mr. Home Secretary, I can't agree to this. But all I ask is a year. Now, surely that's not too much time when so much is at stake. Just give me one year. Very well. I will officially recommend your compromise. Thank you, gentlemen. Gordon tries to get some answers out of the children, but they resist him. And that's as far as we shall go today. Our next lecture will deal with structure. And by the way, don't forget you'll be living here from tomorrow. Now, why do you smile, David? You don't know how to put your question. <laughs> there isn't much point in my trying to be subtle, is there? The question I was going to put was, by the way, 
Just how deep do you see into my mind? Everything that's in the front of your mind. The thought processes? The reasoning that leads to my spoken words? We still have to master that. It'll come. Hmm. Well, that's frank. Thank you, David. At least I still have some privacy. Now, the question I want to ask is this. Are you aware of life on another planet? And let me put it this way. It is possible that life exists elsewhere, isn't it? Oh, we don't seem to be getting anywhere. Why are you so nervous when an aircraft flies above you? You're very observant, Father. Yes, but that doesn't answer my question. All right. Until recently, we haven't been able to make our control reach as far as a high aircraft. Well, now you have, is that it? What are you going to do with that power? Father, we know what you're trying to find out. It'd be better if you didn't ask these questions. We want to learn from you. The children forced two men to kill themselves. One drove his car into a wall, and the other shot himself in the head with a shotgun. And Gordon blames himself for their deaths. Meanwhile, the Russians have destroyed their children and the entire village. All right, I'm responsible. I never denied it. It's quite possible that but for me, these two men would still be alive. I was over-optimistic. It's quite a shindig in London. They may be after your blood, Gordon. Do you think I care a rap about that? What beats me is that I have failed to reach the children. But the point is, they're shouting for action. Now, things have gone too far. The village is very near panicky. Hmm. If only I could get inside the children's minds and read Hello. their thoughts as quite obviously they can read ours. Yes. Doesn't that assume they have thoughts yes, yes, just and minds? as we understand them. Alan, it's for you, General Layton. Excuse me. Yes, sir? I see, yes, sir. It's as though their minds were surrounded by a brick wall. If only I could break through it. Yes, sir, certainly. Have I your permission to, to pass this on? Right, thank you, sir. Goodbye. I'm afraid there have been grave developments. The Russian army group in the Western Urals is equipped with a new type of gun. It can project a shell up to 60 miles, an atomic shell. And apparently they tried it out yesterday on the village of Raminsk where their children live. And the village of Ruminsk no longer exists. You mean everyone there? The entire place. They gave no warning. They couldn't evacuate the villagers without the children learning what was to happen. They developed more quickly than ours. They'd begun to, to take control. An attempt to move them with soldiers proved disastrous to the troops and the adults. I see. So now I suppose we're going to blow Midwich off the face of the earth. No, no, but well, in view of recent events, they feel your compromise has failed. Leighton feels you ought to move immediately, before it's too late. Destroy them. Well, they're, they're meeting tonight to come to a decision. 
with me and done. The village men form a mob, get pitchforks and torches, and head out to destroy the children. David puts them, stops them dead in their tracks and forces the leader to burn himself alive. Alan sees this and goes to talk to David and the children, but they punish him instead. David, come here. I want to speak to you. A man is dead. We must protect ourselves. The law exists for your protection. It's of no use to us. Of no use to you, is it? And if you think you're going to be allowed to live by your own laws, laws we don't subscribe to... You're thinking of what happened to the others in another country. Yes, if you know about that, you should know what to expect. It'll not happen to us. You It'll not happen to us because we have to survive, no matter what the cost. I don't think you'll go to London. We are now the only ones left. And you must learn that we're determined to survive and that there's nothing you can do to stop us. You have to be taught to leave us alone. Leave us alone. After punishing Alan, David goes to see his father and ask him for help to relocate all of the children. David! What do you want here? I should have thought... I want to speak to my father. David, why do you do these dreadful things? Wherever it is you come from, you're... you're part of us now. Couldn't you learn to live with us and help us live with you? I want to speak to my father. The effect seemed to be wearing off. Major Bernard will be all right. What we did was only to warn him. And all of you. Leave us, Anthea. But I... Please. You're not afraid of us. No. But I'm sorry, David. Sorry I was wrong about you. If you didn't suffer from emotions, from feelings, you could be as powerful as we are. Yes. You'll never reach our minds. I've come to say it's time for us to go. Go where? Away from here before they try to destroy us. What will you do? Spread out and disperse. Soon we'll have reached the stage when we can form new colonies. In the meantime, we've attracted too much attention. You must help us to leave. How would you wish me to help you? You'll arrange a method of getting us away from here without attracting attention. You'll find a number of families spread over the country that'll take us in. Yes, well, that'll take a bit of organizing. I need a few days. Yes, and be sure no one finds out. Otherwise, more people will be hurt. You'll tell us the arrangements you've made when you come to give us our lesson on Friday. David... You won't be able to deceive us. You know that, don't you? Yes, I know that. Very well. Let us know your arrangements on Friday. 
Good night, Father. Good night, David. Gordon has a plan to destroy the children, but he must keep them from reading his mind. So he imagines a brick wall to keep his thoughts from the children. Good evening, children. Tonight we shall talk about atomic energy and how discoveries made about a hundred years ago completely changed our conception of the elements and the place of the atom. You were to tell us tonight what arrangements you'd made for us. The place of the atom. It's 8.27. Why are you nervous? Uh, the arrangements, yes. Yes, I'll tell you about those in, in a few moments. But first of all, I want to finish my lesson. The question of atomic energy. You're not thinking of atomic energy. You're thinking of... a brick wall. A brick wall. A brick wall. I must think of a brick wall. The children finally break through his mental block, but they are too late to discover the bomb that destroys them all. And that's the end of the movie. Now it's time for some movie trivia. The film rights to the novel The Midwich Cuckoos were bought by MGM in June of 1957, prior to the book's publication. The title was changed to Village of the Damned in 1957, and Russ Tamblin, who appeared as the lead in MGM's Tom Thumb, was named as possible star. The film was originally intended as an American picture to be filmed at Metro-Goldwyn-Mail Studios in Culver City. Sterling Sillipont wrote the script and Ronald Coleman was contracted for the leading role. But MGM delayed the project, bowing to pressure from religious groups, including the Catholic Legion of Decency, who objected to the depiction of virgin birth and the plot's blasphemous implications. Ronald Coleman died in May of 1958. Coleman's widow married actor George Sanders in 1959, and Saunders took the role meant for Coleman. Glenn Ford and Michael Rennie were also considered for the leading role. The film was transferred to MGM British Studios for financial reasons. The shooting schedule was six weeks and a budget of $225,000. The glowing eye effect when the children use their mental powers was achieved by creating animated overlays of a bright white iris. This created a bright glowing iris with a black pupil when optically printed on film. Based on John Wyndham's novel, The Midwich Cuckoos, the title refers to the fact that when cuckoo birds lay their eggs, they deposit them in the nests of otherwise unsuspecting birds who then raise the cuckoo chicks as their own. Compounding the insidious nature of this process, the cuckoo chicks often kill their nestmates in competition for food and parental attention. In the original novel, 60 alien children were were born. In the film, they whittled it down to 12 children. Also, Gordon Zellaby had an adult daughter who was also impregnated by an alien baby. And Alan Bernard was his son-in-law instead of his brother-in-law. The children wore wigs that were padded to make their heads look slightly bigger. Uh, NGM British sequel, Children of the Dam, directed by Anton M. Leader, 
was released in 1964 with a smaller group of children, smaller group of six children, each one from a different nation, China, India, uh, Nigeria, the Soviet Union, United States, and the UK. Although their powers were similar, the theme and tone were nearly opposite. The children in the sequel being portrayed, portrayed as sympathetic characters. A U.S. produced remake was released in 1995 by Universal Studios. It was also titled Village of the Damned. The film was directed by John Carpenter and moved to a contemporary time period in an American setting. And that's all I have for movie trivia. Now it's time for the Star Trek Connection. Everybody knows I'm a big Star Trek fan, and I try to find a Star Trek connection in every TV or movie I watch. I'm afraid to say that I couldn't find a Star Trek connection in today's movie. So let's get into my comments about Village of the Damned. I watched the 2004 DVD release from Warner Home Video. It was a double feature set with Children of the Damned. The picture and sound quality were, were pretty good. The DVD came with audio commentaries and theatrical trailers for both movies. The storyline. I like the storyline. I like alien invasion movies. I like, the, I like the fact that they use kids instead of your usual aliens. And the cuckoo bird angle is spot on. Slipping the alien babies into humans. That was, that was pretty good. I enjoyed that part of the story. Um, I think it had a great cast. George Sanders was great as Gordon Zellaby. Ronald Coleman would have been good, too. I could see that. But I can't see Michael Rennie or Russ Tamblin. Besides, Russ Tamblin would be too young for the part anyway. Barbara Shelley was great as usual, even though she didn't get that much screen time. Michael Gwynn and Larry Naismith were great secondary characters. But the children actors were perfect. They, man, they were amazing. Uh, Martin Steffens was great as David. I love to hear him talk because he, he didn't talk like a little kid. He talked like an adult. And the way they all dressed alike, and that when they walked together, they moved together as one. It was like they are one brain, one body. The eyes were really, really creepy. Um, adults would probably have a sympathy for them, but I know if I was a kid and saw that, they'd have to go. They'd have to go. Um, I like the location. I think England was the perfect location to shoot this movie versus Southern California. Because it reminds me a lot of the great Pacific Northwest. Uh, it's a great movie. And I would re recommend it to all science fiction horror fans. If you haven't seen it, go pick it up. I got mine dirt cheap at Big Lots for three bucks. You should be able to pick it up on Amazon for little or nothing. On a scale from one to ten, I'm giving Village of the Damned a solid nine out of a ten. And those are my comments about Village of the Damned. That's it for today's podcast. Before I wrap up today's podcast, I want to thank Rico again for giving me another opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoyed. Rico will be back next week with a Patreon chat. I'll end today's podcast with a clip from the Simpsons parody of Village of the Damned called The Bloodning. I'll be back soon with another classic science fiction movie. Until then, everyone take care and stay healthy. This is M5, signing off. Forty years ago, a film appeared that was so shocking, so terrifying, 
It was sealed in a concrete vault deep beneath the earth. But even the new management of Sony TriStar could not contain the pure evil of the bloodening. A registered nurse trained in the treatment of terror will be on duty during the showing of the bloodening. <laughs> now playing at the Springfield Drive-In after dark. Offer my more, you mischievous winds. Actually, we'd prefer to stay. You're thinking about hurting us. <gasps> now you're thinking, how did they know what I was thinking? Now you're thinking, I hope that shepherd's pie in my knickers. <gasps> Right, you little bloggers. We've had quite enough of your evil mischief. But you're the one who's been bad. You've been sneaking puddings. But, but, how did you know? We know all your secrets. And you pilfered the poor box. <gasps> and, Doctor, we know that you and the boot black have been rogering the fishwife in the crumpet <laughs> shop. <laughs> Lies! How dare you! Get them! Quickly! We can't have that.